Dr. Jacobs. So he's going to come and preach to us tonight. So come on, let's get ready to receive, ready to respond. said it looks oh there we are sorry about that that's better isn't it hey you know before you're seated what a meeting yeah. what a meeting <laughs> what a meeting you know I've been saying this for years I'm not for years I'm not sure if anybody believes me or not but I, I know what I'm talking about and I've been in a lot of meetings over the years just just a month from now I'll be my 44th year of ministry I've been to a couple county fairs and some hayrides. And this is one of the most spiritual meetings that I get to come to every year. I tell my son Jordan, hey, you could bump me and put somebody else in my slot. I'll probably still come and get be a part of it. But he said, no, we need the prophet to come. And I appreciate that in him, that he recognizes that. It's not the label you go by, it's what's in the contents that's valuable. And so we're talking to you tonight from the prophet's office. So because of that, you're in a different room than all the rest of these other speakers. Not more important room, just different. You know, if you're a carpenter, you're not an electrician. If you're a plumber, you're a plumber. If you're a finished carpenter, you're a finished carpenter. If you're a framer, you could just put the walls up. But you wouldn't want to do, uh, you know, real fancy work unless you're a finished carpenter because you'd tear everything up. So we just need to know what's in our offices I know I'm talking to young people tonight, but I'm, I think you're, I believe you can handle what I'm going to say to you. You're in, you're in a different room. Whatever the mantle is the man or woman has in them becomes the room that you're in, not geographically, but spiritually. And I have certain equipment in me that some others have a little bit here and there, but I'm different. And they're different than me, and that's okay. How many know there's five ministry gifts? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers. And some of them walk in a couple roles. You know, not just one, but I'm just talking to you a minute. This is what I want to say to you. Don't let anybody tell you anything's passed away. You know, the church that doesn't believe in prophets and apostles are going to suffer severely because you can't get mature without all five of us. Are you listening to me? Now, as a prophet, you wouldn't want to pastor a church. That's not your calling. You'd probably tear it up after a little bit because people can't handle that confrontational, up-in-your-grill, constantly thing. How many are really listening? Try and teach you something here. So we're going to share it with you tonight from the Word and uh, by the Spirit. So you could be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just so, I'm shaking up here under the power of God already. I'm just, now, you know, when, I, when we talk a little bit, I'm going to talk to you tonight about impartations particularly. We just wrote a new book. It took me seven years to write it. I don't know why it took me so long, but anyway, it did. And so uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about your personal life and then talk to you about uh, impartations. But first I want to say to you, 
just some general information. You should all know these things. Just a piece of paper I wrote some thoughts down on about 10 years ago. And uh, God has more for you, each one of you. I would say he has more for me and everybody in this room, more than what any of us, including me, has ever dreamed. You ought to be excited about that. You don't, you don't, because you haven't been there yet, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I don't either about my future fully. I just know God, and he's a lot bigger than we give him credit for being. You know. I was just a little drug addict dealer and boy, young man, when I got saved. And I never thought I'd leave my hometown. You know, I figured I'd live and die right there. But God had other plans for me. I've been all over the world now, over 110 mission trips, I think 17 countries. Still got a lot to do, but I've been to a couple county fairs and a hayride. Listen, God has more for you. It's just beyond your comfort zone. That's the strange thing that limits people. You know, I don't feel comfortable stepping out and doing that. I don't feel comfortable talking to this person. I don't feel comfortable laying hands on somebody. Well, you ought to get comfortable and let God use you. Amen. You may not have a special gifting like I do in that area through my hands, but you have hands, and you could lay them on people in simple childlike faith, and they will recover. Amen. You know, now you can't make people be healed that want to be sick. We're not, this isn't Disneyland, this is reality. But I'm telling you, all of you here today, you, God has much, much more for you in life than you've ever dreamed. I don't know how I got here so quick. Seems like yesterday I was rolling around on the ground playing with my kids. My daughter's sitting back there. She's 40. Jordan's 32. Hallelujah. And I'm 70. I don't know how I got here so quick. Are you listening to me? God has something much more for us, but it's just beyond our comfort zone. So realize that you're going to be challenged to stay where you're at. That's what I'm trying to say to you from your parents. You know, if they don't want to go any further, they're just stuck. They'll still go to church, be good people, kiss their wife, pay their bills, but they'll never go anywhere, what I'm talking about, unless they push and are challenged. And they, and they well, my daughter just sang it. I give it all to you. I hope you meant that. You know, I do. Hallelujah. And I'm still giving, giving what I got to God. How about you? I don't know everything. I haven't seen everything. I've seen a lot that people haven't seen, but I still haven't seen everything. Hallelujah. So this is what I want to say to you. This is just a couple little basic thoughts and we're going to get into our message. Give some extra time in prayer. I think Cassie, Pastor Cassie told you this morning, I've said that for 25 years, is pray in tongues more than you think you can. What does that mean? That means when you're ready to stop, just push yourself a little further. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah, I got invited to a Church of Christ camp, teenage camp. And the guy that asked me, I said, you know, you realize I'm a Holy Ghost guy. I cast devil out of people and pray in tongues and pray for the sick. And he said, yeah, I want you to come. And yes, it's Church of Christ. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I got in my car, it was in Indiana, and I was by myself, and I prayed an hour. It was about a five-hour trip. I prayed an hour in tongues. I thought, well, that, I think I'm going to pray two. That's the first time I'd ever done that. I prayed two, and I said, well, I think I'm going to pray three. And I just prayed three. I, I said, I think I'm going to pray four. So I prayed four hours, 
and 45 minutes in other tongues. I had one little potty break for 15 minutes and I went by and got me a Pepsi and got back in the car and prayed the rest of that time. And got to that camp and there was eight people there. It was a blowout. <laughs> On fold down chairs. And I never will forget, I taught them redemption is by the blood of Jesus. And you can be redeemed from anything. I'm in a hollow place there. I'll move around over here. And I never will forget this young girl standing to my right. She's about 17. She said, I need help. And I said, what's wrong with you? She leaned over and said, I can't think anything but filth in my mind. I grabbed her by her head and I yelled, come out of her. And you know what? The devil came out. And she fell down. Chairs went flying. People got alive then. <laughs> the other six of them. You know <laughs> You know, sometimes people got their head in the clouds. They think you got to have a big crowd to have a good meeting. You just got to be right to have a good meeting. And you got to want to be delivered if you, if you need that tonight. See, that's something in my mantle. Every believer should do that, but I've given myself to it for 40 years to cast the devil out of people when they need it. I'm not looking for devils. I'm looking for it to help people. Are you listening to me? I was in Siberia, Russia three times and I think it was my first trip I'm trying to remember and I'd give my testimony about being an ex-drug addict and I said and it was a church of about 1300 people I said if you're a current addict you either shot up this morning snorted or you're currently an addict right now come up here 37 people came to the altar I cast the devil out of every single one of them and they got delivered what if I hadn't had that word what if I hadn't been able to pray in faith and believe that? See, you know, people want to be touched by the power of God. Am I making sense so far? I may just stop in a minute and just slap everybody in the head. You're looking at me kind of funny here. Hallelujah. Give some extra time in prayer. You're never going to figure it out without your prayer life. Just it's, Word time is important, but that's not all there is in knowing God. There's a lot of people know more word than me. They're just as carnal as they were 10 years ago. Yeah. I used to pastor for, you know, many, many years, three and a half decades. And I watched people and they just floundered because they didn't pay attention. I taught them on prayer. Had 300 people in my church at one time and I could only get seven of them to come pray with me once a week. So I just started with those seven. And we prayed for seven years until anybody else would be bold enough to join us. I prayed for, thir for you know, another four years, and then we had about 15. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. You need to know how to pray, and you could just pray in tongues is a big thing. I didn't stay for everything. I know Cassie challenged people to come to the altar this morning, didn't she? And I'm assuming you got it. And if you don't have it, you need to have it. You know, when you don't pray in tongues, you just know how to pray in English. And praying in English is fine, but you're a spiritual being. Listen to me. I speak English because I'm born in America. But I speak the language of the Spirit because I'm connected to heaven. And I don't care what nationality you came from or what language. I've been all over the world, not every place, but a lot of places. And they talk different language than me. But when we're all praying in tongues, they sound just like us Americans. They're praying in an unknown language to themselves, but God knows what they're saying. All right. These are just things that are going to help you grow up. All right. Make a list of areas where God tends to use you. 
or you want him to use you? And then start praying about those things. You know, I don't know what you want. If you don't want nothing, you won't get anything. I can guarantee you that. You just go to church and go home and never change and come back and sit in the same seat and do the same thing, sing the same three songs and dismiss and people go home. I'm not making fun. I'm making fun of people that never want to change. This is a changing religion. We go from one level of glory to the next. That's what we should be doing. One dimension of faith to the next level. And then that's not the ceiling. Then you go to the next level of faith. And then you go to the next level of faith. And then you go from one level of strength to the next level of strength to the next level of strength. And it is progressive. And nobody gets there overnight. Not even Jesus got there overnight. Yeah, that's what he said of himself. All right. Get around someone that has more experience in these things that I'm talking to you about and learn something. See, that's why I felt so <laughs> pathetic about my church. Not, I wasn't mad at them, but they just didn't have any umption to want to come learn about prayer from me. Seven people out of 300. If I had a picnic, I had 500 people there because they bought all their cousins. They don't want to eat my hot dogs and chips and potato salad. But when I ask them to pray, there's only seven. So that showed me the thermometer on that church was weak at that point. Yeah. You need to have a spiritual father or somebody you trust that you can talk to about these things. And, of course, that would be primarily your pastor or your youth leader or whoever you're accountable to. And everybody needs to be accountable to somebody. This isn't a place to be a Lone Ranger. And when you have that, you'll get good teaching, like I'm trying to just talk to you off the cuff here. You'll get questions answered, and you'll get impartations. And I'm here tonight to help you with impartations if you want one. Now, I might call some things out, or I may just say, come up here if you want what I have in me. Now, you know, listen, let me say something in respect to what I'm saying. I invited all the angels that work with me to come tonight. So this service tonight may turn a little more reverence than last night. And that's okay. If we scream and run and jump and buck, that's fine too. But I don't know if it'll go that way. And you got to understand, every meeting you go to should be a little different because it's a different time and a different speaker and you're doing something different than you did the last service. I'm not trying to control anything. I'm just having, because, you know, if we're not careful, we think if I run and jump and scream and buck and fall on the floor, that, man, we had a great meeting. Well, you may have had a good meeting, or you may have been in the flesh, too. I don't know. That depends on what the Holy Ghost wanted for that service if we responded correctly to him. Are you listening? Yeah. All right, let me see here. Learning how to operate in your mantle or your anointing, it's a process. Whatever you're anointed to do by God's power on your life, you may feel like, well, I'm not called to fivefold ministry. I didn't even bring that up until just now. You don't have to be. You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're a Christ one. And really, literally, from the Greek New Testament, Christian means little anointed ones. So you have an anointing, and it comes from Jesus. It comes from him and him alone. He's the head of the church. And he anoints everybody to some level. And as you learn to get more skillful in whatever he's anointed you to do, he may entrust you with more. Are you listening? And, and it's a process. You ever make a mistake? Well, sure I did. What do you think I'm talking about here? And I made the correction. I let him correct me, and I didn't get offended. Thank you so much. 
be open for additional equipment as you're seeking the Lord about your future. Pastor Cassie really helped us this morning, you know, about the will of God and things. And she made a comment. She was talking about marriages that were based on the intellect or the mind or the soul and then marriages that are based on the physical or sexual alone. Then she talked about spiritual. And see, really what I'm geared to talk to you about all the time anymore is that other world and the life in the spirit. It's not a strange life, it's just an unusual life in that most people don't think like that. You know, there's this natural world, then there's a spiritual world right alongside it. And in that other world, there's angels and there's demons. And the angels are trying to help us, trying to protect us, trying to help us in so many ways. I'm not teaching on that tonight. And then the demons try to destroy us. Try to tell us to do things we shouldn't do. Are you listening? So once we learn to maintain our authority in that other world, and we do that by some of these things I'm talking to you about, having a good prayer life, I think Cassie said the Lord warned her about certain things. She said at that time she wasn't strong enough to seem to deal with it herself, but the Holy Spirit came alongside to help her. He's your helper. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, that's just a little side thought there. Be be open for additional equipment. When I started, I didn't have a lot of the things that operate in my mantle today because I didn't know they were available. I went to a church that didn't teach that. You know, wherever you go to church and whatever you're taught, that's what you'll know and no more. The books you read, the people you listen to preach to you, that's going to help your spiritual life or diminish it, depending on what kind of person they are. But I just kind of push myself. I don't know. I was like that as a drug addict. I'm like that as a believer. I'm not apologizing for it either. And some people like that to be challenged. I hope you do tonight. But some people resent me because I kind of challenge people. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. What am I trying to help you do? Help you grow up into spiritual things. And not walk around this planet like, uh, what's that going on? Are you listening? You, you could bypass a lot of things that's going on when you walk in the spirit more. All right, let me talk to you just a second here. Let's go to, let's go to Matthew 10. This is just kind of some basic things I'm going to share before I get into the uh, real message tonight. Is that how long I've been preaching? Somebody answered me on that back wall, 1757. Okay, thank you. Go to Matthew 10. I want to talk to you for just a minute, and then we're going to get into the impartations part about uh, hindrances to receiving impartations. Because this is the way that we operate, that I operate, that God's anointed me to operate. I have a healing endowment in my ministry that flows primarily through my hands, not through my feet. I get people healed through words, but typically more than that through my hands getting on them. So when I can get them on them, I try to do that. We have people healed from prayer claws too. But, you know, I'm going to show you in a minute, most impartations we're talking about tonight, like, you know, Paul said, I long to see you. Well, that's my desire. I long to see you. That's, that's why I'm here at camp. Why would I be here at camp? Because I long to be with you. I like being with the young people. You know, young people are full of passion. Yeah. And that's, that's a great quality. Don't ever lose it. Amen. Just learn to be skillful with it. Yes. All right. 
So we're talking about for a minute hindrances to receiving. Number one is a lack of knowledge. When people don't know what I'm talking about, how could you receive something unless I explain it a little bit? Impartations tonight are going to come from me, maybe some of the other preachers. I don't know. I'm not predicting that. I don't know everything that's going to happen. I just know my part. And I only know part of that right now. When I get further into it, then I know more. Because the Holy Ghost is in me to help me. Are you listening? So, first of all, you have to have knowledge of these things. And impartations uh, can come through other means besides laying on the hands. We'll look at that in just a minute. John Wesley, who was a famous Methodist preacher when they really were full of God and full of fire. John Wesley. I don't know if anybody knows who he was. You know, he lived a long time ago. But <laughs> and he was commenting on Romans 1.11. Just stay where you're at right now with me in Matthew 10. But uh, he said impartations can come through laying on the hands, through preaching the gospel. So if I was up here and I didn't have anything to yield to concerning the gifts or something, I could still impart to you through preaching the gospel that I'm preaching to you. And I'm preaching in particularly on impartations so that you could receive it. Hallelujah. So it could come through preaching the gospel, laying on hands, uh, private conversations. Sometimes you're with, I was on the elevator with Dr. Dufresne many times. He was my spiritual father for 20 years. And I would go from floor one to seven and he'd answer three questions and I didn't even ask him to answer them. He would just start talking and he'd just be talking and I'd think, that's my answer, you know? Because the Spirit of God would use him like that. And a lot of things I received, people knew I received publicly because they saw him lay hands on me and I appreciated his precious hands on me. But I also received a lot of things just sitting at a breakfast table or a lunch table or in a car with him going somewhere and if he didn't talk to me I didn't talk because he may be praying in the spirit he may be thinking of something but when he did talk he talked with authority and he always was just helpful to me how many are listening to what I'm saying sometimes we get so religious we think God can't operate outside a sanctuary and that's just nonsense in fact, I think sometimes in most sanctuaries, he has a hard time operating. That's my personal opinion. Take it or leave it. Doesn't matter to me. Number two, traditions of men. See, traditions of men say, well, all this is done away with. Well, how could it be done? How are you done away with the Bible in the New Testament? The Bible says faith is now. The Bible says the gifts of the Spirit are now. How do you do away with now? You can't. That you don't even have to be a Greek person to know the Greek New Testament. Now is now. And when I say now, it's now, now. And now when I say now, it's now, now, now. See what I'm saying? So these things are for us. So we have to get away from traditions. Sometimes people don't know anything. They just knock everything in the head you try to teach them. Because they've never heard that. What's an impartation? Well, I'm going to share with you more. Are you interested? But these are problems for people. When they don't understand something, they have a lack of knowledge, number one, or they have traditions of man in them instead of traditions of the word. It's good to have traditions that are scriptural. Praise God. But when it's not scriptural, then you forfeit the word to stick to your tradition. You know, there's a lot of people who don't think God wants to prosper you. Somehow in their head, and I don't know what they're thinking, heaven's going to be like the trash dump. No, really, they don't think God's prosperous at all. 
Honey, he, he wrote the word on prosperity. And I'm not talking just about large homes, large cars, and a lot of jewelry. I'm just talking about prosperity. He's having peace when the world's falling apart. It's having peace when there's deadly diseases around you. It, if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect you. You care about other people. I know that, but I'm talking about you. So we've got to get away from traditions. Number three, no faith in the ministry that's set before you. That's why I'm taking some time to talk to you like this. So hopefully you would have faith in what I'm saying to you and faith in my ministry to minister to you. If you don't have faith in it to receive, there would be no reason for you to come forward. And this is why sometimes we have to learn that not everybody's cut out of the same cookie cutter. You know, we're all different. But now let's look. Here's one more thing here about no faith in the ministry set before us that goes along with that. Matthew 10, verse 40 through 42. He that receives you receives me. That's Jesus speaking. And he that receives me, Jesus, receives him that sent me. That was God the Father. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. At least Jesus believed in prophets. You know that? And he was one. Actually, he was all five ministry gifts when he was in the planet. But he says, you'll receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he will in no wise lose his reward. So what I'm saying to you is, and I was reading this for uh, a few years when Dad Dufresne, my spiritual father, was teaching it for about 10 years. Not just that scripture, but he would go to it often and read it. And I was meditating on it in my personal private time with my own Bible. And the Lord said to me one time, do you ever think, Michael, that's all the same person? Just perceive three different levels by three different people. And I said, no, but I'm going to, I'm going to see that now because you're talking to me about it. In other words, if somebody says they were a prophet and you received them as a disciple, you're not going to get what's in that prophet mantle because you just demilded them down to this level. You haven't been evil, but you've been inaccurate. <laughs> Are you listening? Yeah. I'm not trying to get something out of you. I'm trying to get something to you by talking about this. And here's another thing. How do you perceive your pastor when he gets up to speak, her, she, he or she? You know, do you say in our church, that's just Jordan? No, that's Pastor Jordan. And he's anointed to speak words into your life. Let's be careful here that I'm not going to speak to you because I'm not a pastor. I'm speaking words to you as a prophet tonight, and you're in my room. I know we're at country camp. wouldn't matter if we were somewhere else. When I'm in charge and somebody gives a service to me, then my mantle starts into operation. And we can all go into a room called the room of the prophet. When pastor gets up to speak, he's in a pastoral room. An apostle gets up, he's in an apostolic room. And there's even differences, levels of anointing in all those five ministry gifts. Some are stronger, some are less, but they're still unique to that. Are you listening to me? When your pastor gets up or your youth leader or somebody that's over you in the Lord in the church, listen, if you would trust God to use them, they could speak words to you that will change your life. Think about that a minute. If you put a value on that, of course, I'll be first to tell you, you should check them out with the Bible because they may not know everything they think they know. 
But as long as they're saying words to you that agree with the Bible, this shouldn't be a problem for you. How many understand and agree with that? How many really agree with it? Just want to see if you're still awake. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, they're anointed to give words to you that help you to grow, help you to change, help you to adapt. Hallelujah. <laughs> Chloe, God dealt with me today about you, this Chloe. He said, I'm working in your life. I'm arranging things you know not of right now. Hallelujah. Things are going to get better for you. Things are going to get better for you. You remember that. Praise God. I was just, I was praying in my prayer time today, and all of a sudden she sort of walked through my prayer time there, and then he's talked to me about ministering to her. Now, you know, you say, well, I'm not Chloe. You may be Tom sitting over here or Richard over here or Susie over here. You could take the same word. If you need it, take it. <laughs> How many know what I just said? How do I know you could do that? Because God's no respecter of persons. I know some things about Chloe, you know, personal things about her life. And I know that, that see, God wanted to encourage her tonight. I don't know everything. I just know God wanted to encourage. And so if you need that encouragement, you can take it. And your life can change and turn and get more better. That's not good English, but you understand that, don't you? Yeah. So what are we talking about? How you receive people. Let me ask you a question. You don't need to say anything. How do you receive me tonight? Have I blown you out of the sub already? You know, because it said we're a prophet, or maybe some of you have that teaching in your church. I think in our camp, most of you would know a little bit about the prophet, but I think the prophet probably knows a little more about himself than the other gifts, unless they've studied that. And furthermore, if they don't walk in that, then they would be somewhat limited. Are you listening to me? I'm not bragging. I, I'm just, I was just trying to serve Jesus, that's all I know. And he took over my life and I kept yielding to him. And then it ended up here. Almost 50 years ago. 2021, I would say 50 years. So, however you receive me tonight is what you're going to get out of me. And we're not saying we're anything special. I'm special to God because Jesus died for me, period. But I mean what's in my mantle, what I have in me, the anointing that's in me for different reasons will minister to you. Have a strong deliverance ministry. Whether I say come out or not, that usually I do. But if I don't, sometimes if I'm anointed, people can get delivered. There's some of you got some mental stuff going on that's just really almost crazy. You think in your head, oh my God, I wish I didn't think like that. Well, you don't have to if you'll let me minister to you. You don't have to continue to think like that. It doesn't mean everybody around you is going to change overnight, but you're going to change. <laughs> Hallelujah. You could change tonight in a moment's time. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know if I should go down that trail or not. Better not right now. Hallelujah. So let's go over to Romans chapter 1. I wanted to talk about things that hinder the anointing so that you could better receive today. Let's begin to talk Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. My spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, he had a copy, and I don't know if I brought that with me. I don't think I did, but uh, he gave me a copy of the footnote in 
John Wesley's Bible on Romans 1, 11 and 12. I'm going to read it, read it to you. And I already told you a little bit about what he said, but let's look at it together. Romans 1, 11 and 12. You're putting that up? Thank you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Now here's interesting before I go any further. He says, I long to see you. And I, and I thought I knew what the word see, S-E-E, meant. But one time Father said, what does see mean, Michael? I said, I think it means to look. He said, well, that's partly true, but I want you to look it up in the Greek. So I looked it up, and it means a perception. When you look at somebody, you perceive a little more than average just looking. They got blue eyes and blonde hair, or they got brown eyes and brown hair, or they're this high, or they're this wide, or whatever you're thinking. You know what I'm saying. But it's more than just looking at somebody. It's perceiving something that they may need you to address or minister to them about. But notice you're not going to get to the end without these impartations. So it's important that we receive impartations from certain people, especially our pastors and the other, other ministry gifts as we have opportunity. How many know what I'm saying? And it says that you may be established. That's another thing. If you want to be established, you'd have to receive impartations. We already said impartations can come. I have it in my notes here. It can come through uh, prayer. It can come through preaching the gospel. It can come through laying on of hands. Or it can come from private conversations. I think some of the most interesting times in my life personally that I've had with other preachers is when we were more in a more intimate setting. I don't mean sexually. I just mean just a few of us in a moment when it was quiet. And we would begin to share thoughts with each other about the Bible. I remember one time I was in Mexico sitting in a private room on the eighth floor up in a hotel. And it was me and Dr. Hattabaw and Angie Hattabaw. And we ended up going there just to have a cup of coffee and to talk. Nobody else was in there but us. And we ended up staying there about three and a half hours. It's one of the most marvelous times I'd ever had. Because we just began to talk about spiritual things. Are you listening? It was kind of a private conversation. Sure was. So let, let's, 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 let me read this again. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Now the word gift here in the Greek uh, says, it means this, a spiritual endowment. You know like uh, universities get endowed. I was teaching this probably 15 or 20 years ago. Maybe down with Pastor Rogan. Dr. Keith Rogan and his church. And he said, I just read an article about Vanderbilt University. A lady died. She was elderly, had a lot of money. And I think she, uh, she endowed the university with $320 million, something like that. You know, that's a lot of money. And then all of a sudden that university can do things it couldn't have done without that money, without that endowment. It's the same in spiritual things. When you have an endowment from God... And he blesses you with that. Things begin to change around you. I have an endowment for bones. I have an endowment for lungs. And I have some other things in my mantle. And sometimes I get more in the word of knowledge and it, it continues to grow and stuff. I mean, a year or two ago, I was just praying over some prayer clause at our church to take home, people to take home. And I must add 25 words of knowledge. I'd never had that before, praying over a prayer clause. What's the words of knowledge? Something specific God was going to do. Heal kidneys. Heal a spleen. Give somebody a new pancreas. 
just all kinds of unusual things. And that hadn't always been like that in my ministry, but the last five or ten years we've started to see more and more. It used to be I'd go years and years without seeing a miracle. Now I hardly go a meeting. Just about every meeting we're in, we have some form of miracles taking place and healings because I have an endowment in that area. I'm just talking to you here. And I'm not the only one. I'm just talking about myself. All right. And, you know, I'm responsible to become better skillful with it. Let me, I'm still on this word gift. Do you like to know some more? It's a miraculous faculty. In other words, there's something supernatural in these, this word gift here. It's when God endows you with something or he gives you a miraculous faculty to do things. I prayed for one lady in my church. She was, I didn't know how bad she was. She had a heart that was wore out. She's only 32 years old. And she, after I prayed for her, she went back to her doctor and he said, Joyce, you need to go back to cardiologist. I think something's happened to you. And she went back to cardiologist and he did all these elaborate tests on her heart. She's a 32-year-old woman married with two children. When she walks to the end of the driveway about back there where those people are sitting running sound, she has to fall down and crawl back to the house and barely get in the door and wait there until her husband gets home from work to help her get up. I'd say she's pretty messed up. She said, energy invaded my chest when you prayed for me up front. And in another week or so, I went back to my doctor. Then I went to the cardiologist, and, and he took her in the room. You know when they have those films, they put them up under a light. He said, Joyce, this is the heart you had two months ago when I saw you. This is the heart you have today. This is not the same heart. What happened to you? I think she told him, and he went, really? <laughs> really? No, I'm not a heart transplant doctor in that but I'm a Holy Ghost man and God did it I was just a FedEx guy I'm not you understand what I'm saying I'm not bragging about me but you know listen if we're going to do the works of Jesus then we're going to have to get up to that level to where we're going to believe for things like that it means this too a deliverance or a rescue all that, that's all in that word gift some people get delivered under our ministry or get rescued I remember Dr. Dufresne you know you don't know me that well but I had a pain in my side right here for 14 years one time I was in my 30s I think or 40s I don't remember now and it was like a javelin about that big around it felt like there was something sticking through me here and out my backside it was very painful and very hard to sleep and very I got very cranky you know if you don't sleep for about three months you get kind of grouchy how many would agree with me and when I was in that much pain and, and uh, you know, I did go to a doctor and, you know, did, I went to the hospital. They do all that stuff to you. You take your clothes off. They shoot stuff up you. They make you drink stuff, lay on the table, shoot, take a camera up you. It's all kinds of very, you know, doesn't sound attractive, does it? It shouldn't sound. But, you know, when you're in enough pain, you'll do whatever they say to try to get some relief. But all, of God, all the king's men couldn't put me back together. I went to the City of Faith out in Tulsa, talked to them there. I said, just put me on the table, cut me open, go in there and figure it out. And he said, why am I going to do that, Michael? I said, why not? Well, we don't operate that way. But see, I was in tremendous pain for 14 years. And finally, Dr. Dufresne got into my life, and he found out about that. And he, I was having lunch with him one day, having lunch with him, just me and him. And he put his fork down and fire shot out of his eyes. He said, Michael, you're gonna, that pain's going to leave you. 
And within 12 months, it got up and went, boop. It didn't make that sound, but it boogied. Now, I'd been to hospital after hospital and treatment after treatment. In fact, one guy gave me some medicine, you know, which I appreciated it, but then I didn't want it. I took it, you know, but I had to bring it back to him. I said, hey, I'm an ex-drug addict. I don't want to be a pharmaceutical addict, so here's your medicine back. Because when I take this on Thursday, I think I'm in next Tuesday. And I don't want to go through life messed up like that. So I suffered. <laughs> you know, I'm just talking to you. Are you listening? Yes. And after three years of that, I said, Lord, I think I just want to come on to heaven. He said, well, you're about ready to, Michael, because you're starting to think about coming home now. And once your faith gets a full thing on that, you're coming out of your body whether you want to or not. And I'm warning you, you're getting very close. And I said, well, I'm going to have to let you know. I'm tired of being in pain like this day in and day out and day in and day out and month after month and year after year. And I thought about what he said to me. My son, who preached a great message last night, sitting right back there, Jordan, Pastor Jordan Jacobs, Jordan Michael Jacobs. He wouldn't even be here today because we hadn't had him yet if I'd have went to heaven. And finally, somehow, I don't know how long, it, it, in that next two weeks, I just said, Father, I'm willing to stay as long as I need to in this body, even if I'm in pain. I was believing God the best I know how. Don't judge me. But I just couldn't get the healing right then. How many understand what I'm saying? Yes. But then a prophet showed up Hallelujah. that loved me. He knew me, but he loved me. He loved Michael. Not very many people love me. You know what I mean? A lot of people know who I am, but they don't love me. He loved me. Hallelujah. And I'm glad he, I got rescued. Are you getting anything out of this yet? You're so quiet tonight, that's okay. Because the angels are here. They kind of make you that way a little bit. They can. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then, you know, I was an ex-drug addict. I told you that. And I had hepatitis. I didn't even know I had it until they, I went in for surgery for something else totally unrelated. They did my blood work and my enzymes in my liver, and they came to the room, three doctors, and they said, what kind of treatment did you take for your hepatitis C? And I said, treatment? I said, are you telling me I have it or I had it? You had it, but it stopped abruptly. I said, all I can tell you is I got saved six months ago. I got saved, what does that mean? I asked Jesus into my heart. What's the matter with you guys? I mean, you think they're smart. They ought to be. They're a doctor, but they didn't. They said, we don't know nothing about that. And so I knew that that's what had happened, but I'd had hepatitis C, and he said it did one, per, one half of 1% damage to your liver, and it stopped abruptly. Hallelujah. And I said, well, I didn't take anything. I just received Jesus. Yeah. I didn't even know I had it. Yeah. But then fast forward about 25 years, and I went to a doctor for something else. He took blood, and he called me at home and said, your blood's really messed up, Michael. You're in trouble. And I, he said, come back and give me some more blood. I said, I'm going out of town, but I'll come back next Monday and give you all you want. And I was going to a meeting to hear my spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne. How many know who that is? A lot of you do. And he was down in Birmingham, and I, I didn't call him. You know, I didn't call him all the time about everything. I figured I'm going to see him in this meeting. And maybe I could, if I can't talk to him personally, I'll ask the usher to pass that note to him. Please pray for me about my blood. Well, I got there the first night, and it was packed. It was probably 50 preachers. I was back about 10 rows. And he started to preach, and he fell into a trance. He didn't fall down. He was standing up, and he went, 
He just stood there like probably 40 seconds. Then he came back like that and he goes, Pastor Jacobs, where are you at? And I said, I'm back here, sir. And he said, stand out in this aisle. He said, God shows me something's wrong with your body. Now, he didn't know that, but by the Holy Ghost. I said, yes, sir. He said, the angel, and he kind of laughed. He said, I know you believe in him. I said, I sure do. He said, he's right behind you. He's come to fix that. About that time, that angel hit me in the head, and down I went. And came back, went back to the doctor, and gave him all the blood he wanted. He called me at home, said, your blood's perfect. What would you do? I said, I I got ministered to. He didn't know what I was talking about either. Yeah. See, I got rescued. This is my point. I'm just giving a couple of examples. I could give a hundred, but we haven't got that much time tonight. When you have somebody like a Dr. Dufresne or your pastors that are trying to impart to you, receive from them. Receive all you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So let me finish reading this. Look look, at verse 12. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Notice that. That there might be mutual faith. In other words, and this is the way the average church thinks. If the preacher's got it, we can get it. If he don't, then it's a dud. But that's not what that says. That says mutual. You know what mutual means? Me and you. 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 That means I have faith to release what I have, and you have faith to receive it. So what I'm trying to say, it's not all on me tonight. I've done my part. You know, I've prayed about the meeting. I've been praying a long time before I got here, not just today, but over the weeks to get here. And I'm ready to minister to you in just a minute. But you have to have faith to take a hold to it. You know what I mean, take a hold to it? Have, not just that you feel something when I touch you, but you're really... Believing you receive when I lay hands on you. What do you believe? You're believing that whatever I have in my hands will jump into your body and correct that. Or if you're struggling in the mind or you're oppressed of the devil or something's dogging you out and you just can't seem to get rid of it mentally, believe that that leaves you. And that, that anointing in my hands will break that off of you. Yeah, there's a young lady here tonight that I prayed for in this camp. I don't know how many years ago that's been. I'm not going to embarrass her by asking her. But it was quite a few years ago. Cats the devil out of her right down this aisle here. And she got delivered. Yeah, she did. She stood up and told our whole church about it. My wife and I asked her to. We stood up with her. So we have an anointing for things like that if you need it. You don't have to have some big manifestation. You just have to believe you receive when I minister to you. <laughs> I prayed for one lady one time in Texas. I had a, a word about spines and bones. And, and I said, now I have an anointing. So you may feel something when I touch you. You may not. And then I got, stood back and I said, all of you, listen, keep the switch of faith turned on. Once I minister to you, you believe you receive. That's your part. Well, she got, she got grumpy because she didn't feel anything. What are we to walk by what? Feelings? Goosebumps? No, we're to walk by faith. So her pastor straightened her out real quick. Well, I heard Dr. Jacobs tell all of you up front, keep the switch of faith turned on. Sound like you've already turned it off and he just laid hands on you 15 or 20 minutes ago before the service ended. 
And she said, oh, you're right. I guess I'll just go to bed and believe it's working. Well, she woke up 2.30 in the morning and heard bones popping, and it was her bones. And either an angel or the Holy Ghost stepped in there and fixed her back. And she had pelvis problems, hip problems, and uh, tailbone problems. He fixed it all. And she wrote me an email. And when I went back the next year, I questioned her about it. And she said, that's exactly what happened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mutual faith. You have a part to pray. It's not the amount of faith you're using. It's that you're using what faith you have to believe you receive when I minister to you. Okay, I'm I'm taking you. You're asking me something else now. Well, what am I receiving? Well, what do you need? You have to know in your heart what you need. You don't come up here just, I'll take whatever he's given. But you should have some specific thing. Maybe, maybe you need reviving or refreshing. I've got the prophecy right here on, the, on this, right here. Dr. Dufresne gave me in Lima, Peru in 2003. He said, Michael, you have refreshing in your hands. Then he went on to say, you're going to see teeth and jaw miracles and healings. These are just some of the prophecies I have. But ever since then, when I feel like saying that to people, and people come, they get refreshed. I mean, Pastor Randy sitting back there, and I was at his church just a couple weeks ago and laid hands on him just for something else. But he said, when next time he got up to preach, if I heard you right, Pastor, that there was a refreshing on him. I didn't pray for refreshing. I just laid hands on him about something else. But see, he took hold of that refreshing part. You know, it's possible to live with God in such a way that this natural world, you know you're here, but it doesn't affect you in the negative. Some people just worried about everything. Sometimes they're worried that they're not worried. Don't be like that. That'll make you a mental person. You know what mental people get from Jesus? Nothing. You can't receive with your brain. Your brain, your mind, your soul was never created by God to deal with care. It starts breaking you down mentally and and emotionally, and then eventually it comes into your body. A lot of people have all kinds of bowel problems, stomach problems, indigestion problems, joint problems, and they don't even realize it's because they're worried about everything. It's not just that they eat eggs or drink coffee, okay? The way you think is messing you up a lot of times. Hallelujah. I'm talking to you about impartations here. Now, let's, uh, let me go back. Let me go, let me see where I want to go. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. I haven't taught this in quite a while, but I want to go back because this prophecy came directly from God to me. I was, not, I was saved, but I was not spirit-filled. spirit-filled. In 1975, that's 45 years ago, I think. Does that sound right? 25 and 20 is 45 years ago. My wife sitting back there, she was in the kitchen doing something, and I had a Bible, but I'd never read the book of Jeremiah. I kind of vaguely remembered it was one of the books of the Bible. And the Lord said, Michael, I want you to read Jeremiah chapter 1, starting verse 4. So I went back in my room. She was in the kitchen when I was in the bedroom. And I started reading. I'm Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Is anybody listening? This was a prophecy directly from God through his word to me. I think it was my son that said, you could prophesy 
you'll be the prophet in your own life. You'll prophesy things to yourself. It says, then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Look at that. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, that didn't mean anything to me at the time because I went to a church that didn't even teach prophets were even alive today. How many understand what I'm saying? If you don't know, you just don't know. What's the problem is people make dumb people out of their dumb thinking. And if they don't tell you there's such a thing as that, you're not going to believe it if you respect them. So I kind of ignored that, although it went into me, and I thought, hmm, wonder what that means. A prophet to the, I'd never been out of my hometown. Now I've been on 110 mission trips, just all over the world. Then said I, oh Lord God, verse 6, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a, I'm a child. Now this related to me because I was trying to teach four seventh grade boys at the First Baptist Church, and it was intimidating. I know you don't, can't imagine me being intimidated about anything, can you? Somebody answer me. No. 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 But back then I was intimidated by a lot of stuff. They say speaking is one of the most intimidating things you'd ever do. If I took a mic and asked you to get up here, some of you take off and some of you start crying or pee your pants or something. I don't know what you'll do. Oh my gosh, don't ask me to do that. But that's what, this is what I got. But the Lord said unto me, say not I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I will send thee. Whatever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. I made a decision that day to not be afraid of people's faces. Because some of them really want to intimidate you. Especially the deacons. Anyway. (laughs) For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I put my words in thy mouth. And then, you know, of course, I'm reading this at 45 years ago, so I'm, 90, I'm 70 now, so that was 45 years ago. I was a lot younger. And um, let's see here. Verse 10, see, I have set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out. That's the key to it. I'm going to talk to you just for a minute about rooting out stuff in your life. To root out, to pull down to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So it isn't all destructive in the ministry of the prophet. A lot of it's constructive. But it starts out to root out things in people's life. You know people get in trouble when they get something in them and they won't let somebody root that out. I had a very close friend of mine back in Ohio before I went in the ministry and I came home from seminary one weekend and went to see him and we're eating pizza, and he, and he says, I said, how you been, so-and-so? And he said, well, I like the girl in the choir. Now, I know his wife, he's married to at the time, she is not in the choir. And I say to him, what do you mean the girl in the choir? And I mentioned his wife's name. That's not her, is it? She don't sing. No, it's some other woman. Now, I'm just a young seminary student. I've never even studied deliverance, but you know what I said to him? Let me go out to my car with you. I'm going to cast that thing out of you. The devil's got a hold of you. Well, I don't want you to minister to me. I said, listen, you are going to tear your life wide open. You've got two children too. What is wrong with you? What's happened to you? When I left here, you loved God. You said just like I did. And furthermore, you came to my house down when I was in seminary and made fun of me because you said I wasn't any fun anymore because all I wanted to do was read my Bible and pray and 
live for God. And you're, let, you're about to tear your whole life wide open if you don't die over it. A true story. I'm not embellishing one bit, am I, Diana? And he got a disease from this girl and gave it to his wife. And they got a divorce okay. And then his children, one of his children killed themselves later. They were young kids then, but that destroyed them. And the other one was dying of a disease last time I was talked to the wife. See, all that destruction came because he just, he just said, I don't want you to cast that thing out of me. Now you think that I'm just making that up. I'm not, and I could repeat that over and over. People that have just lost their mind over somebody they thought they just had to have and they just let their marriage just totally dissipate and disappear. And then not only that, destroyed his own children. I'm not mad at him, but I'm just saying all that could have been avoided. <laughs> I've had people come to me, you know, privately and say, you know, I'm struggling. Well, tell me what. Do I have to? Yes, you have to tell me. And, uh, and I would say, in Jesus' name, come out. And many of them got delivered and never went back into that again. All kinds of unusual and strange, perverted, crazy things. So I'm just telling you what I know. You don't let things sit in your brain that's not right. After a while, that tries to permeate you. And the devil, he never takes a life over instantaneously. He takes it over a little at a time. Until you become so enchained with that, like this, my friend. I said, your mind's not working right, so-and-so. The devil's got a hold of you. And I, I, mean, I never even studied that in seminary. They didn't teach that. Are you kidding me? They don't know nothing about it. A Bible school. A prestigious seminary. They don't know anything about it. Didn't even bring it up. And if it was brought up, somebody brought it up and mocked it. So that's dangerous. When you do God's word like that, you're, that's a dangerous person. <laughs> Let me show you another verse here in Matthew 15. I'm just about ready to close. Hallelujah. God wants his people free. He wants you unencumbered, unchained. And I'm not implying you are uh, in need of this, but I know some people can be. I'm going to tell you about myself, I think, before I read this last scripture. But, uh, you know, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. And, you know, when you become a drug addict, I just get to Matthew 15. I'm going to read another verse and I'm going to pray for you. Uh, you know, you do a lot of things you're ashamed of now. I mean, you know, when you get normal again and you get, when I got saved and everything, I said, oh, my God, I didn't do that, did I? I sure did. And, you know, when you become a drug addict and that substance takes you over, you just become a different human being. And so I had done some things I'm not proud of. I'm not going to air all my dirty laundry to you, but I want to tell you this. So all of a sudden, I'm in the ministry now. Fast forward, I got saved and loved God and started going to church, got married to Diana back there, and we're pastoring our second church. And I just woke up one morning, and all of a sudden, my mind was filled with filth. And I said, my God, what is that? Now, you have to understand, I've only graduated from seminary that I just told you about that didn't teach me any of this. Not mad about it, but I am angry. <laughs> you just act so... Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. I'd like to get that out of the box and throw it around against the wall, but I'm just going to let it lie there for a minute. 
So and what I did as a smart man, I went directly to my wife and I said, honey, I don't have, I don't have another girl on the side. I am not watching pornography. I'm not doing anything with myself. But I've got a struggle in my mind and I know it's of the devil and I don't know how to get rid of it. See, I, I'd never studied this subject. In fact, I just started to study this subject when this happened. Are you getting a clue what, God, what the devil's trying to do to me? So I have a friend that's at a Christian church. He's a spirit-filled tongue talker. I prayed with him regularly, good man. He said, Michael, won't you come? I'm having a guest speaker at my church. I said, okay, I think I will. And I came and sat on the front row up here and the speaker spoke and he, he did okay, it was all right. But he said to the congregation when he got done, the guest speaker, I've got a friend with me tonight. Brother George, come up and greet the people. Well, Brother George Gray got up and he took the mic in his hand. I don't even know if he's still alive today. And he started talking, oh, my name's George Gray. Greet you all in the name of Jesus. But something came over me. I'm sitting where this young lady's sitting. And I look at him and the Lord says to me, he can help you go up and tell him what your problem is. Wow. I mean, I'm in a, we're in a church service, like right now. <laughs> and pretend I'm sitting where she's sitting and I'm struggling with what I told you about. And he's up here and he's got a handheld mic. So he don't know me. I've ne he's never seen me before in his life. I've never, and I went up and I took his hand and pushed it. And I said, my name is Michael Jacobs. I pastor a church five miles down the road. I wanted to talk to you private without the mic. And the devil has filled my mind with filth and I don't know how to get out of it. Can you help me? The Lord said, you can help me. And he never, he just had the Bible in his hand like this and the mic and he just laid that Bible on my head like this. He said, Father, washing with the washing of the water of the word. And God is my witness. The power of God went through my, my, my head, down my chest, out my legs, and out my toes. I thought I blew every toenail off. It was so forceful. And it took about three seconds. It went, hoo, hoo. Didn't make that sound, but that's what it felt like. Hoo, hoo. And I got delivered. Just that quick. Whoa. That was my first realization that th these are demonic powers that work on us and this just this man here he was 30 years my senior that's why I don't know if he's still alive he'd have to be 100 but he knew something about prayer and he knew something about his authority and I mean I got delivered instantaneously praise the Lord that's exciting all right now let's in Matthew 15 look here at verse 14 Verse 13 and 14. Uh, Matthew 15, 13 and 14. Every plant, Jesus said, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. So here's my thinking. If you have anything in you that got in you through the evil one, or maybe through your parents, or maybe through some other person, or maybe through movies, or books, or conversations you've had with people that are ungodly, or practices you've done with people that are ungodly and that got planted in you and you've tried to get away from it but now you're dealing with your head all the time about things like that whatever it's not just sexual just all kinds of stuff you don't have to stay that way it says look at this let me read it to you every plant which my heavenly father has not planted what kind of plants would Jesus and God plant in the word <laughs> the spirit the Holy Ghost. 
But he says, every plant that my heavenly father did not plant in you shall be rooted up. And then he says, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You know, when I began to see the things I'm talking to you about, I had to leave my denomination. I just had to walk away. That's all I knew as a preacher was that denomination. How many know what I'm saying? But when I began to find things out like healing, the supernatural, deliverance, I said, I'm sold on it. I'm going to have to leave my denomination. And I did. And God took care of me. I think two of the speakers this week said, I was young and now I've been old. David said that in the Old Testament. And I've never seen the righteous. I've never seen it myself forsaken. God's taken care of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody stand up with me a minute. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So you may come tonight because you need help, or you could just come tonight because you want refreshing. I mean, that's a pretty broad, pretty broad subject there, but you could come for either thing and still receive. So I want the ushers to help me. I'd like you to come, the praise team to come. And if you would like my help, I will lay hands on you and minister to you. And uh, we'll get you ministered to. So come on and come if that's your heart and you need help tonight or want help. Praise the Lord. There's no reason.